I have the the great blessing and the great misfortune to belong to an organization that has as its motto the word Semper Fidelis. I sign all my course <laughs> that way. And I write yeah. Semper Fidelis is more than a slogan for U.S. Marines. Always faithful is a way of life. Mm. And so that is the formative part of who, of who I became uh, and who I am as a man. Welcome to the Men's Alliance podcast. Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes across the nation that meet weekly for rugged outdoor workouts and a real-world devotion around a fire. If you want to be a part of what we're doing, join us at mensalliancetribe.com where you can find a tribe near you or come to one of our Start the Fire weekends. So check us out at mensalliancetribe.com. Now stay tuned for this great podcast. Welcome to the Men's Alliance podcast. I'm Dave Mills Goose, and uh, today I got to tell you guys about an incredible opportunity that we've had in Men's Alliance. Uh, thanks a lot to uh, Chief, by the way, Connor Dillingham, for making this possible. Uh, Men's Alliance, we were able to get Ollie North on our podcast. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know who Ollie North is, maybe some of our younger guys or whatnot, um, you need to you need to read about him. Google him, and you need to educate yourself on who Ollie North is. Um, but just kind of some broad strokes about who this guy is. Uh, he really became a household name in 1987 during the Iran-Contra uh, scandal. He was on the National Security Council under the Reagan administration, and he was facing a series of Senate hearings at that time when the U.S. Senate was hoping to be able to impeach Reagan. and Ollie North was at that time, he was a Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps and he stood in the Senate's way and was successfully able through his personal integrity to block them from that attempt at impeachment. And that's where he became a household name. Uh, before that, even, uh, he was a combat wounded veteran from the Vietnam war is where he was a platoon commander as a Lieutenant. And since uh, those Senate hearings of the 80s, Ollie North has gone on. He's, he's written um, several dozen books. He's written a series of books called War Stories. He has written a series on American heroes, uh, done a lot of work making documentaries about American heroes. He's worked for MSNBC. He's worked for Fox News. He is the founder of an organization called Freedom Alliance, and he was the president of the NRA even. Um, he's done tremendous work in the United States to help both um, Christians, both conservatives, just patriots stand up uh, for what's right. And he's always encouraged uh, family values. So he's a, he's a huge, uh, I would say, uh, men's alliance kind of guy. So we were really excited to get him on the podcast um, we actually recorded this podcast several months ago. I had a conversation with him virtually. Um, we've been talking about it here for a couple months. We lost due to a failure to upload to our servers um, about half of his side of the video and audio from that conversation. So uh, due to the great work of Fresh, our uh, podcast editor, he was able to go back and salvage about half of that. We've listened to it and it's absolutely incredible, right? He's such a dynamic uh, speaker and just a down to earth guy. The whole time it just felt like I was having a conversation with a buddy that we want to give you guys 
as much of the audio and video as we have, because this is a powerful conversation to hear from an absolute American hero. And we were lucky to be able to talk with Ollie North. So I wanted to kind of set that up for you guys um, as to why this podcast is going to look a little bit different from others. And I've got Shadow here with me today. And and we we've watched it. We've enjoyed watching the Ollie North clips, and we are gonna um, kind of just talk about them, yeah, a little bit For as Ollie. we as I'll, we show them to you guys. I'll be playing the role of Oliver North for the second half that we didn't get. So and uh, be ready for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, you know, there there was just something about listening to him talk too that just felt, um, you know, kind of like he's so relaxed, so laid back. Which is really yeah. cool when you talk to a guy who's done so much. Um, it just felt right away like we knew him. And one of the things that jumped out to us as we watched uh, the footage with him is how he has a tribe. Right. That that was pretty cool. He he talks, you know, he gets Men's Alliance because he said, yeah, I, I totally get it. I've got a tribe myself. And he tells us a little bit about that. Uh, the tribe he has that he's belonged to for many years. Yeah. Uh, let's let's hear this clip, and Ollie North is going to tell you about his personal tribe. I'd also yeah. be foundering if we didn't have a men's group similar to what you've done with your tribes, right? Yeah. There's there's three of us put it together to begin with. We're now grown to seven. Some of as you, as you point out, some have moved away. Some some have actually gone on, and so. Mm. We were a core group of seven men. We meet every Tuesday. Uh, we tried to schedule other things that need to be done in life for other days besides that. Uh, all are very successful people in, in whatever ventures they, they've been engaged in. And what we do is, and we call ourselves God and Guns or the Tuesday group. You tell it, it's, it's the Tuesday group <laughs> if, you're surrounded by, if you're surrounded by any Second Amendment folks. Right, depending on your crowd. Yeah, we're God and Guns. I mean, we hunt together. We we. We spend a lot of time with one another. Our our, our wives and and uh, children know each other, and it's been a great blessing. So that was Ollie North telling about yeah, God and guns, <laughs> right? Which uh, if we have to rename Men's Alliance, that'll be that on the table. It. Yeah, it's uh, a subgroup. But I gotta back up and show you guys this clip from even before we get into his tribe in our conversation. Um, I just want to share with you guys on a personal note, as I did with Ollie North, about the very first time that I ever heard of Ollie North, the first time I ever saw him right. as a kid. I was putting this in an email uh, to you as we were back and forth scheduling this, and I just thought I would, I would share this, uh, e even though you know it shows, shows my age, my youth. But um, the first time that I, I can remember seeing you was on the evening news and you were you you had your hand raised and you were on trial in a courtroom and i remember my dad and i was looking back at this what date was that so i was eight years old and i remember my dad saying right there that's a good man that's a good man who's standing up for for what's right for what he believes and as a little eight-year-old sitting there watching the evening news with his dad, you know, I didn't understand what was going on. I, I didn't, I didn't know the details of, you know, the trial or anything, but that always made an impression on me. And then 
you know, through the years, you know, you've been a correspondent for Fox News. You've had your 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 television show. You've written books, war stories, um, and I've you know I've followed you around um, career wise. What you're doing, seeing seeing where you are and, and the influence that you're still having them in, and and at every step of the way, you've you've been this you know this figure, this iconic figure in American you know political scene and military historian. You, you've always been a lightning rod, I think, right? <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> and and so that's like my my initial impression of you right off the bat as a kid, seeing you for the first time was a man taking a stand. Now, here we are. You've just written a new book that we're going to talk about. I see you got it right there, American Gulags. Shameless self-promotion. Oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna <laughs> promote it all we can. Um, we're in this new new era, new things going on in culture where men need to take a stand once again. Right. So I just want us to have a conversation about that. Like as just a man who's, who's famous for taking a stand, what do men need to do right now today with what's going on in our world? What can you tell us to encourage us? How do, how do we take that stand? How do we stand up for what's right? Well, first of all, thank you, Dave, for having me on and thank you for the invite. Uh, And quite frankly, I don't get to do that many right now because I'm going through a, uh, I'm caregiver in chief for my wife who has a terminal illness and uh, uh, we're hoping she'll still be here for our 55th anniversary on November 13th. Amen. So, yeah. No, I was, and, you know, she's a mother of four and the grandmother of 18 and the best friend I've wow. ever had and the most fun I've ever had. And, and, uh, and I'm told, unfortunately at this point by many uh, that a lot of men, when their wives have a malady similar to my wife's like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or, and hers is a very rare form of, of a brain uh, malady uh, that the men just put them in, a, in an institution and they go out and find a new young wife. Uh, I, I'm, I'm amazed that uh, I, I have the, the great blessing and the great misfortune to belong to an organization that has as its motto, the word Semper Fidelis. I sign all my correspondence <laughs> that way. And I write, yeah. Semper Fidelis is more than a slogan for U.S. Marines. Always faithful is a way of life. Mm. And so that is the formative part of who, of who I became uh, and who I am as a man. Man, that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Um, one thing I liked how he, he was talking about that we're going to see here in a minute is how uh, all of his uncles, I think he said, were in the military. He just has a whole family history. His whole family. Of being, of, uh, you know, people who served. Um, and I thought that was relatable to us. Uh, do you have anybody that was in the military before you? Do you come from a generation of? Yeah. Um, yeah, my uncle, he was in the Air Force during Vietnam. And my father-in-law was Air Force during Vietnam. And um, my grandpa was Army Air Corps. Oh, wow. uh, before there was an Air Force, he was yeah. Army Air Corps. He was an ambulance driver during World War II. Um, and I think that's about as far back as I know. So why'd you choose the Air Force? <laughs> because no doubt, the right. Marine Corps wouldn't take me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was so definitely a, his, a family business, the Air Force, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's neat whenever you um, do something kind of like that you feel like there's like this family legacy right, right, right. thing. What about you? Um, I'm the first generation Marine. So nobody in my family lineage that I know of had ever been in the Marines before, but 
there had been some come after me, but, uh, my grandpa was in the army. My uncle was in the air force. I have cousins that are one of my cousins joined the army because of our grandpa being in the army. That was his reason why he was pretty close to closer to my grandpa, I think than others. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. I don't have any Navy, uh, uh, an in-law cousin of mine was in the Marines, but not, no blood relation. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So we're going to check out, um, Ollie North telling a little bit about that. Yeah. Check this out, guys. My dad and mom met at a USO dance in 1941. Uh, he was a second lieutenant in the United States Army. They got married in 1942. I was born in 1943 in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he had already left for Great Britain to get ready to go to Normandy. And so I grew up in a family where all of my uncles served in World War II Korea, or both in some cases, and my dad. And uh, my, my brothers and I all served in branches of the armed forces. We all served in combat. Not You have to do that in life because only a very small fraction of people ever do, thankfully, or ever have to. Yeah. Let me just correct one part of the record here. Just the summer you're talking about when you were eight was, was the summer. It was July of 1987. Uh, it was the hearings by the, called by the Congress. Uh, those Roman emperors who were up there, in the, I mean, members of Congress who were up there on the <laughs> dais, uh, throwing questions and hardballs and softballs and uh, insults uh, at me and, and President Reagan. Their, their goal was to impeach President Reagan. And unfortunately for them, they picked the wrong Marine. I was not gonna, <laughs> my job was not going to, you know, to defend the president. He didn't need defense. It certainly wasn't to accuse the president. And and the president was very, very kind to my family and me. Uh, the case eventually went to trial. And the, the lawsuit against me was thrown out by the Supreme Court of the United States twice. Special prosecutors taking us all the way to the Supreme Court twice. And finally, it was resolved. And it all went away. And so <clears throat> I went to work shortly thereafter uh, as a radio broadcaster. I took over Pat Buchanan's microphone. Okay. Uh, he was running for the he was running for the uh, presidency, and and I took his space on both Crossfire, the TV show, on CNN, and on his daily radio broadcast. And it was from that that I was offered a job at MSNBC. I was for three years doing a Crossfire type show on uh, MSNBC with Paul Begala, the president of MSNBC tried to get me to do a documentary, but they wouldn't, in the hierarchy of the NBC empire, they wouldn't do documentaries. In fact, the word we got back was, no, we're not going to do that because we're a news broadcast. We're not going to do documentary stuff. Now, of course, that's all you can see on those networks on the weekends now. And right. very kind, this is one of the reasons why I tell young men and young women, don't ever badmouth your last employer, okay? Because it doesn't pay. There's nothing in it for you, nothing in it for them. And it makes the next employer wonder, what's he going to say about me if I fire him or if whatever? And I still had a contract. Yeah. They had this player pay in, in that business. They had to pay me until June. This is what January when all this is happening. Or December, wasn't it? Yeah, December. And so uh, Eric sent my, my proposal to do a show called American Heroes to Roger Ailes. I mean, he was that kind to me. He didn't have to be. But I didn't want to be paid for not doing my work, not going on air. And so the rest is history. Fox hired me in 2020. I, I went to work as a documentary filmmaker. 
along comes 9-11, and I end up being not only a documentary filmmaker, but also uh, doing work as a, as a war correspondent. So I made 60-plus embeds, keeping company with heroes. I see you and I talked a, a bit before, and what motivates me? I, I was blessed to be born into a family of heroes. You know, not just my dad, but my mom. I mean, they were born at the back end of World War One. Okay, they dad went off to World War Two. The Korean War came on. All of my uncles served in the military. Every single one of them. In fact, one of my uncles, a Marine, married a female Marine. I mean, met <laughs> would never have met her. I've, I've got, I've, I've got friends and and relatives who met their wives because they were hospitalized and they married an army nurse or a Navy nurse. Those, right. those are the kinds of stories I just, I love to do. I love to do those kinds of stories. And Fox gave me a chance to do that for 18 years. And I, I stepped down from that position when my wife was, my wife was diagnosed. So this next part that we're going to play uh, really surprised me when he starts telling his personal testimony about having grown up Catholic and never read the Bible. Yeah. And uh, he's Ollie North is going to share with you guys a story about his coming to Christ, his first reading a Bible, and it really all came down to the boldness of a battalion commander that he that he had. So check out this story from Ollie. Yeah, my battalion commander in 1978. I was 35 years old. 1978. I was on a, a deployment with a U.S. Marine battalion. I was the operations officer. And uh, the battalion commander, not so much because he was raised Baptist and he could, he could quote from the Bible. I was raised Roman Catholic. We had a Bible. It was pretty. I mean, it was, <laughs> someone gave it to us. We got married. Yeah, the family coffee table one. Yes, exactly. It's got pictures yeah. in it. It's got gold around the edge. It's got leather covers. Yeah, you don't and read the thing, though. No. It's not for reading. <laughs> when, you're, when you're holding the baby that your wife just nursed to get the baby to burp and go to sleep, you flip it open and you look at it, right? but I'd never read it. And so we're, we're deploying and uh, as we're getting ready to get on the ships at O dark 30 in the Marine, the Marine Corps never goes anywhere in daylight. Right. We're getting on the ships, it's O dark 30 in the morning, all the wives and sweethearts and the girlfriends and the prostitutes are all behind the chain and the fence <laughs> and waving and crying and, you know, and embark the troops, that's the order. And, and he's, instead of giving me a set of orders, which is the tradition, he hands me a Bible. Okay. Mm. He said, Major, because that's what I was, Major, on the way across the Atlantic, read this. You need to know Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, that was he your wrote. battalion commander? That was my battalion commander. If, if a battalion commander does that today, and he did it in front of probably a yeah. half dozen generals. Okay. This is a major deployment out to the Mediterranean, become the landing force for the Sixth Fleet. It was our sister battalion that got blown up in, that had relieved us. They got blown up in Beirut. Okay. Mm. 241 dead. I mean, we had 11 dead, okay, from our deployment. And that was because of a terrible accident that occurred off the coast of Italy. So knowing that those, that's why all the poobahs and heavyweights from Washington come down with their clipboards. And nowadays it's iPads, but back in then it was clipboards. Checking off, do they do everything right? And we did everything right. He had the boldness to do that in front of 1,800 Marines, plus a whole bunch of senior officers. And nobody in those days thought about, oh gosh, maybe we've had to fire him because he's talking about Jesus Christ. Hey guys, is money holding you back from being used by God? If finances are a problem in your life and you're looking for some help, some counsel, some assistance financially, you've got to check out 
the Main Street Group. It's run by Tom Love, call sign Doc, with Tuckahoe Tribe. Okay, Doc is a certified financial planner. He's a fee-only fiduciary. He's a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro. He uses Charles Schwab assets. He will help get you on course in ways that you didn't even know you were off course. He's not just a sponsor of the podcast, but my wife Carrie and I, we use him for our finances personally. He's helped us a ton. He's been ranked number two in the Richmond Times Dispatch, number one in Style Weekly. He's a top 40, under 40 investor. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes. He is the man to see to get you on course financially. God saved Tom spiritually and physically, and God is the reason for Tom's success, and he wants to help others succeed also. So whenever you go see Tom Love, a.k.a. Doc, don't forget to mention that you are a part of Men's Alliance, and he will donate your first year of fees back to Men's Alliance nonprofit 501c3. So he's not only helping you, but he's helping our ministry as well. So do yourself a favor. Go see the Main Street Group with Tom Love. It's in the show notes. Check it out. And as always, Dave Ramsey and Charles Schwab are separate entities, and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Check him out, the Main Street Group, Tom Love. Incredible story. I loved hearing him share about the boldness of his faith and that hearing Ollie North talk about being bold. Uh, it just reminded me of the podcast that we've done yeah. with Admiral Lee. Right. Right. Yeah. With our, our rogue Admiral yeah, talking right. about boldness for Christ in the workplace. And uh, man, if you guys haven't listened to that one yet, go back and check out that one as well. Yeah. But um, this next section that we're going to play for you guys from the Ollie North conversation it's my favorite. It's I, the most Marine. It's, sure. it's, it's the most Marine and it's the most gospel. So yeah. I'm going to title this next section. I'm going to title it. Ollie North walks us through the gospel of Matthew. Yeah. Patch class. <laughs> this is a patch class session. As only a Marine could do. Right. I love how he, uh, you'll hear it. I just want you guys to pay attention. He talks about the MIV, the, uh, Marine infantry version of the there Bible, you go. <laughs> which is hilarious. And he also speaks on, um, he says there's a great hymn, you know, and he's referring to the Marine Corps hymn, which of course is a great hymn. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's, there's a, a verse in there that talks about the, uh, the pearly gates are guarded by Marines and you can tell. And I think he says that he truly believes that's <laughs> true. Like from the Bible. He is so, through and through a Marine. <laughs> could be true. Hopefully it is. But I just thought like there, this guy is Marine down to his core. So, so check this out guys. As yeah. Ollie North walks us through the gospel of Matthew. And so I read it. I, I started at Genesis. I wondered who he was. <laughs> I got to Leviticus and almost quit, but I'm a Marine. <laughs> right. And so I get to Matthew's gospel as we're pulling into Road to Spain, and there's something I can understand. Yeah. It's an infantry officer. It's a place called Capernaum. And I've been there probably 30 times since then. Actually, I'd already been to Capernaum once and didn't know what it, the significance of it because I'd, ne I'd never read Matthew's gospel. And there in the eighth chapter, I think five through 13, is a description of something I can understand. It's a Roman army infantry officer called a centurion. He was the commander of the Roman occupying army in the, the city of Capernaum. It's up there in the mountain, on the edge of the mountain. You can see it very clearly up there. That's the barracks for the Roman soldiers. A centurion commands 100 Roman troops. 
most of the mercenaries, by the way, back in those days, not very few of them would have been, the, the officers would have been, and, and their equivalent of an NCO would have been a, a Roman. But the rest of them would have been local hires, as they call it. Not, not necessarily, certainly not Jewish, right? Because right. They were, the Jewish wars were just beginning. And, any, and those are the kinds of things we had to read. When I was in Naval Academy, we had to read you know, Josephus's book. Mm. Josephus had been a defector from the, from the Jewish rebels. And the Romans made him a general because he could speak so many languages. He spoke Latin, obviously Greek, uh, Hebrew, uh, early, the early variations of it, Aramaic. And, and those are the kinds of things that my experience led me to understand what it is when he walks up to Jesus on the steps of that, that synagogue. He's not inside, he's outside, and he's preaching. And he waits until there's a pause in the action. He says, Jesus, I've got a sick servant at home. Would you heal him? I'm paraphrasing. I don't have to I can go get the good book over here and inside of me, but I'm, I'm doing, this is North, what I call That's it. That's right. Well, you know, look, we have an NIV. So this is the MI, the Marine Infantry version. I like it. Okay. So he says, I've got a sick servant at home. Would you heal him? And Jesus has to say, yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll go do that. And he says, no, no, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. Just say the word. My, my servant will be healed. And we know that that's exactly what happens. Two things that are important. One, we know for a fact that the servant was healed. Very likely in that moment. Certainly by the time the soldier got back to his quarters. He does it to a servant. In some translations, the earlier translations, Luke's gospel has the same description of that same event. In, in one of those translations, it's, it's a slave. Not just a servant. Not mm -hmm. just a, not, not just a, a subordinate. And here this guy knows that Jesus is being watched by the secret police of the day because they know he's committing sedition and treason. At least that's what they think. Eventually, right. when they eventually he gets tried, convicted, sentenced, and over the top of him written on what we would today call cardboard, and, and it's probably papyrus, is, is, a, is a note that says the, the crime for which he's being punished he describes himself as the king of the Jews. There's only one king of the Jews, as far as the Romans are concerned. That's Caesar, right? Right. And yeah, they they had appointed other people in, in as intermediaries in a lot of the various places where they they subjected everybody to, to their governance. They'd allow another person to be someone who could actually carry out the authority of the Roman Empire. But there's right. only one Caesar that matters, and that's the trial. That's the crime for which Jesus is convicted. So. The centurion knows this, and yet he risks his life because Roman law says if you if you consort with a seditionist, a traitor, a, a, someone who's disloyal, even stealing tax money, Matthew, of course, is a tax collector, then you're subject to the same sanction. This Roman soldier has just risked his life for what is at least a subordinate and may well have been a slave. And so I look at what John Grinnells had done for me my battalion commander, when he, 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 he kneeled over top of me and prayed for me when I was hurt, okay, in front mm -hmm. of everybody. And miraculously, I was healed. That's the kind of person who is a role model. And this is why it's so important what you guys are doing with your tribes. The example you set to others, more so than being able to memorize, you know, the, all, all of Paul's epistles, more so than anything else, is the way you behave to your wife, your children, your neighbors, you know, 
that wonderful expression, treat your neighbor as yourself. That's biblical. That's not, that's not coming yeah. out of some, you know, uh, Buddhist, you know, at the top of the mountain somewhere. <laughs> Man, so that's I, so I, good. I, I just, I summarized all this by saying what you are doing as a young man and encouraging others to go out there. I love the, I love the background. I got a bunch of books behind me. You've got hammers <laughs> and axes. <laughs> That's, That's right. But no, I, but I look at that has to happen. Men have got to start behaving as men again. You know, That's right. Our, our culture has decided that, that macho is a bad thing. Well, macho is incredible if, if you abuse others, but macho is not bad if you're a real man. And I've had the great right. blessing of spending 80 years of my life in the company of real men. And so right. I just, that's why we're doing this. I've got a bunch of other things I could be doing right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I read, I read about your organization. I read about what you're doing. How many chapters of, of how many tribes do you have around the country? And we've, you, we're, we've got about 56 right now. That's great. We, we might've launched 57 last night and I don't know about it yet. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah. You know what you're saying? I mean, you're just speaking our language, right? So the, the sledgehammers, we work out with them. We hit tires. We, we flip big tractor tires and we do, we do things like we give call signs. We, we give war cries, right? We earn challenge coins, right? We earn patches. We do all these things. And you look around, you know, like I was doing, looking around our country just a few years ago, and there's only two organizations that do anything like what we're doing. It's the U.S. military. They do a lot of what we do. And it's motorcycle clubs. They do a lot of what we do. Right. And, and I was thinking about this. I was like, these are two groups that know men. They understand men. They understand how to, how to reach them and how to recruit them and how to retain them. Where's the church? Where, what, what's the playbook that the church has to reach men? Right. And we talk a lot about this on the podcast. Right. And we're like, well, you look at the church's playbook and they got uh, breakfast, they got men's breakfast, and then they got an annual conference. And so both of those things are great, by the way. I'm a huge fan of breakfast and a huge fan of conferences, right? Those things aren't wrong, but we just need more, right? And so Men's Alliance, we're not against the church. We're not bashing on the church. We're just trying to help the church like a fuel additive for a gas tank, right? We're like, hey, we want to help out local churches. We want to plant tribes at local churches and just offer them this, you know, um, already created, already operating, already up and running men's ministry that they can plug in at sure. their church. And just like you've got your tribe, your, your, um, what do you call it? Guns and yeah, God, God and guns. guns. Yeah. God and guns. You know, um, former, former president of the NRA, of course you call it that. Right. And, uh, and, and that's just what men need more of, right? We need, we need a band of brothers that knows when we're going through something hard in life, they know our struggles and, and, and they're there that we can be real with where we don't have to pretend everything's fine around it. We can just be like, Hey guys, I'm going through this. I need, I need help. And that's, what's missing. And, and it's, it's, you know, awesome hearing you describe it with a, a group of guys that hunt. I love that. Right. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're playing softball or basketball or working out or hunting, as long as you're doing something. Yeah. Well, and you got, you, know, you in our case, the idea of hunting in your case, the guys that are out there, you know, using big hammers and, and flipping tires and things like that. Find kindred spirit. This is my encouragement everywhere I go. And I don't do much of that anymore just because I want to be with my wife 
for as much as I possibly can. We, the, the wonderful thing about our relationship is we both know where we're going and we know why right. we're going there. We just don't know when, right? Amen. And that's because we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. I'm unashamed to say so. And in some, some, some groups, <clears throat> that will be perceived as offensive. Excuse me. Right. <clears throat> and so. Yeah, the gospel is offensive. It, it sure it certainly is. <laughs> and, you know, and Jesus is not this fuzzy wuzzy, right? I mean, right. there's going to come a time, in my case, days, weeks, months from now, whatever. And I'll, I'll be able to join Betsy at, at some point. She's probably not got a whole lot of time. We're, we're praying she's still with us for our 55th anniversary in, in November. And there's going to be people lined up saying, throw him into hell. And Jesus is going to say, wait a minute. He's one of mine. Mm. And just like John's gospel. I would that those who are mine be with me where I am for my greater honor and glory, because that's what you did, Father. Jesus is going to make sure that those who are his join him. In my house are many mansions. In my palace are many mansions, or depending on which translation you're using. I, you know, there's a wonderful hymn called the Marine Corps hymn, in which it says the streets of heaven are guarded by United States Marines. Okay. And I know that's probably <laughs> true because it's a hymn after all. It's a Marine that's hymn. That's right. Absolutely Awesome. I love sitting here uh, listening again to everything that Ollie North said from our, our previous conversation. Yeah. It's encouraging for me to, um, you know, you hear a man speak who's been through as much as he has um, combat wounded, led men into battle, yeah. stood under fire on a Senate hearing. Um, and he is not, jaded he's not like this angry point. bitter old man talking about how bad the world is now yeah. dude he's like laughing and smiling yeah. the whole time and just encouraging men to to find their tribe and to read their bible yeah yeah i wonder why that is i wonder if if you see as much as he's seen you just realize hey live love life <laughs> you know yeah. when you can because it's it's just not worth all the the nonsense and you know there's a lot of bitter, old, angry Christians out there that haven't ever been shot. Right. Right. Yeah. And and Ollie North, um, it, he exudes joy. Yeah. And and that's that to that to me is encouraging. That's how I want to be. Yeah. I think when you live and experience enough BS for back a, a lack of a better words, you uh you realize you know it's not that serious. The problems. <laughs> like I'm going to get through this. You know, yeah. life is bigger than my God's bigger than my problems. Absolutely. So, well, yeah, guys, I, good. I hope that you guys enjoyed um, just hearing words from Ollie North as much as I did. Absolute American hero and an honorary tribesman for Men's Alliance, if ever there was one. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll see you around the fire. Thanks for listening to the Men's Alliance podcast. We hope to see you in one of our tribes or at one of our unforgettable weekend experiences. So join us at Men's Alliance Tribe. Com. I just feel like I'm just going to keep doing it this way. Like, I'm just going to talk to you. Like okay. I'm just going to explain everything to you. Sure. Because people, it's believable that I don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that part of it. No, but, but it is.